Hey there, how's it going? This is James Tripp, and this is another episode of Agents of Everything. It's episode number six, but it is not the episode number six that I was planning. You're going to get that in a few days' time. I wanted to share this piece in here because I was listening back to the latest Trip and Crow podcast, and it's about all kinds of crazy stuff. We go into astral projection, consciousness, Taoist and Western alchemy, embracing uncertainty, chi demonstrations, all manner of stuff. We also go into epistemology and sense-making, which is something I've been talking about a lot here on the Agents of Everything podcast. Now, I want to share this clip from that episode because I think it's really going to help. We're all charged with making sense of the world, you know, coming to some kind of sense of it. I've said elsewhere, we don't get to know the truth. We get to pull up alongside of it. We get to relate to it somehow but we don't get to know it fully and certainly not in that left hemisphere kind of way. So I'm talking a bit here about sense-making, how we make sense with the world, you know, various sources in the world, other human beings, media sources, this kind of thing, and what some of the challenges are to making sense. Okay, there was some really good stuff here. I thought it was relevant to what we've been talking about in Agents of Everything. So I'm going to drop it in here. I will say uh, if you like what you hear here on the Agents of Everything podcast, please do make sure you rate it if you listen on Spotify or Apple or anything like that. If you've not subscribed to the Agents of Everything Substack, please do make sure you go to Substack and do that. All of this helps me produce this podcast. And if you get value from it and you want me to continue producing it, I'd be very happy to receive your endorsements through those channels. All right, let's dive into this. What's real and some of the challenges of sense making. This comes down to something that people never really give much thought to, but I actually think is a foundation of everything. I'm often talking about epistemology and sense-making. And if you look at the history of 20th century philosophy, it's a journey from people thinking that they could get to the truth with a capital T to everybody, whether it's the sort of Anglo-American traditions or the continental schools, all basically arriving at some version of like, ah, oh, we don't get to know. Mm. You know, the truth, there's always barriers to capital T truth for us human beings because everything is mediated by our perceptual apparatus, our pre-existing schemas, all manner of stuff just gets in the way, right? So people get to this position and like some have got depressed in the world of philosophy and go, well, what's the point now? We don't get to know the truth. And other people have gone, well, actually, look, maybe you don't really need to know the truth absolutely maybe it's not about knowing it in that left hemisphere way maybe it's more about pragmatism maybe it's about what's useful what serves us what does it create when we engage with things in this way right so truth becomes less important now you could say there's still a truth to it so in nlp or from this is from general semantics there's the idea the map is not the territory some people go we never get to know the territory how depressing so let's forget about it other people go, we don't get to know the territory, so it's all about the map. We just need to create different maps. But I suspect there is a territory. So when we drift too far from whatever the truth is, even if it's unknowable, it doesn't mean it's not there. Mm -hmm. Even if it's mm -hmm. unknowable, it doesn't mean that we don't relate to it and are not influenced by it. Mm -hmm. So we're all challenged with how we work with the world, even when we cannot know it directly. So this is why, for me, in the area that I work in, I'm very, very interested in how our minds make up our experience and our engagement with the world. I can't ever come to a point where I go, I know what's true. 
I can't get to that point. And I don't want to do what I used to do, which is act with certainty about things. Because certainty to me is the enemy of possibility. Yeah, that closes so many options, choices, and new ways of looking at things. If yeah. you are certain of something. Right. I mean, it's like I saw this thing. Uh, actually, this came up with a conversation with Antonio Perez earlier today when we were talking about conspiracy theories. Um, I just mentioned for the people watching this, my friend Antonio Perez has a book called Conspiracy Converter Out. It's about his journey from being like a true believer in many, many conspiracies to being free from that uh, or freeing himself from that, liberating himself from that. We have different views about things, but in some places they overlap. So he said like one of the things he likes to watch is the people on YouTube debunking chi demonstrations. Mm -hmm. Right now, that's a particularly interesting area for me, chi demonstrations, because as I mentioned in the last podcast, I have been a Tai Chi practitioner since my early twenties. And I got into that through Qigong because I got a book called The Art of Qigong by Wong Q Kit. And it said that if I develop my chi, I'd basically have these superpowers. So like, I'm like, all right, I'm all in, I'm going to develop this chi thing. And I found myself a teacher who was all about these chi demos. And this teacher, when I first went to him, he would do these things with his sort of more senior students where he would like throw them around without touching them or crush them down to the ground or stick them to things all with the power of chi by manipulating their chi. And I was fascinated by this because I really wanted to believe. I really wanted to believe. And I kept asking him like, can you do that for me? Can you show me? And he's like, you're not ready. Your chi isn't strong enough. So you kept putting me off, putting me off, like building the anticipation. Your buy-in isn't strong enough. Yeah. So he wasn't sure that my buy-in was strong enough at that point. Mm. So I was watching this every week and he could probably see my fascination in it. And then after a couple of months or something, he invited me up to the mat. So they used to put this big high jump mat against the wall so he could throw people back and they wouldn't be injured when they smashed into the... So I'm there and he starts to do the juju on me. And I remember how it started. I was He got, got me to hold my hands like this and to push on his shoulder. He would ground out the, the, the strength. And he's saying, push as hard as you can, push as hard as you can, push as hard as you can. And I was pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And every time I wanted to give up, he said, keep pushing, keep pushing. And it's weird because your strength goes, but your absolute will and intention to push remains. Mm -hmm. And at that point, he stepped away and I was just locked in the air, right? Um, locked in this position with my hands clasped and they were like mm -hmm. stuck together. And then he walked up and he kind of looked like this and he started pulling this invisible thread down and my hands started to go down and I was like pulled to the ground and then he did all sorts of stuff, manipulated me. And I will tell you this, experientially, I was not consciously faking this or anything. This was 100% real, this experience, right? Now, he then attempted to do that on my girlfriend at the time who was coming on to these classes and she did not buy in at all and nothing happened for her <laughs> right now I, I tell this story in my book shameless plug here hypnosis without trance how hypnosis is really uh how hypnosis really works you can buy that on amazon if you're listening to this um is it an audio now as well it's not actually no i'm still slowly editing the audio like i should have just got an ai to do it uh but i've been editing it since before AI could do such things. Anyway, um, I tell the story in the book there. And I went and I like, I've got this kind of critical thinking because at the time I wanted to believe it, but I'm also like, what is going on here? 
could this be the power of suggestion? Could this be some form of hypnosis? And I figured out that I could elicit this phenomenon in myself and I could break it in myself and it would be really, really real. Mm -hmm. Right. So here's the thing that a lot of these, these chi demos you see by Tai Chi people, a good example for people, if they're curious, is to find some of the more outlandish stuff by a guy called Adam Mizner or Meisner, M-I-Z-N-E-R. He's a Tai Chi guy, does a lot of Chi demos and things. You can find plenty of examples of this. And you see this thing occurring, and people will say different things. Like, oh, that's fake. That's a stooge. That's... And they come up with these simplistic explanations. Um, and almost always those simplistic explanations are a part of a much richer picture. But they mistake a part of it for all of it. So anyway, Antonio was saying that he loves watching these chi demos, like chi stuff being debunked. I've watched a lot of them myself. I can do that kind of chi stuff. I've even got a video of me doing a, a Jedi Force push, right? Mm -hmm. Which actually is based off Tai Chi principles and suggestion combined, right? So I know it is not a purely psychological phenomena. I know it is not a purely physiological phenomena. I know there are many layers to it. It's not a purely sociological phenomena, uh, phenomenon. So the, the thing I was just kind of pointing out to Antonio was that the people debunking it are actually, in a sense, almost equally guilty of spreading misinformation. Because they're talking about a whole different thing or a whole yeah. different set of factors that's influencing it. Right. They ignore a huge amount of what's going on and pick one thing and say, that's the explanation. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, and it's a part of the explanation and often... Um, so there's a guy called Ramsey Dewey, who's an MMA but coach based you, in Shanghai. Yeah, go on. What are you suggesting that the astral, about the astral projection, that that is, there's more to it that we don't know about? No. All I'm suggesting is this. There are many, many phenomena in the world and various phenomena. And those phenomena often have some sort of reality to them in their immediate um, presentation, right? Something is happening, right? So if somebody says, I went surfing on the astral plane, and that's a description of their experience, they may well, very well have had that experience. The problem comes about when we try and explain that experience and come to the truth, capital T, truth about what it is, right? So there's a line that I love from Werner Heisenberg where he said something like this, allegedly, internet quotes, who knows? The universe is not any more complex than you think. It's more complex than you can think, mm. right? So he's pointing out the same thing that the philosophers of the 20th century, regardless of the school, all came to the conclusion is we just can't get to the truth, right? Here's, But we might be able to get closer or further from. It doesn't mean that... that, that having truth as an idea is a lost cause or a busted flush. Yeah. Here's something on that. Earlier, very early on in this conversation, we were saying, or you said about how, um, about consciousness being something that emerged out of uh, the body, the mind, or, or rather the mind or consciousness emerged out of the body. This yeah. Human. What or, if it's... Or the everything. <laughs> or the everything. Yeah. 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 What yeah. if it's what if it's the other way around that the body and reality merged out of consciousness? Yeah, it's possible. And, and you've heard um, there's a lot of videos going out now on YouTube 
about mm. us currently living or uh, this actually being a virtual reality. Mm. And there's a famous one actually with Elon. I think this was about two or three years ago. He was saying that he's 99.99% sure. Internet quotes, maybe might've been, there might be yeah. one less nine there. Very sure. That yes, that we are definitely in a virtual reality as in this is completely, yeah. it's all, this is all information that we're perceiving. Right. And reality is actually an emergence out of our consciousness, out of a consciousness. Yeah. Um, maybe. Bum, 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 bum. I, I think that as I understand it, that, that, that Elon Musk idea was, he was basically saying, we're probably already living in the future. Like we're kind of living in the matrix. I might be wrong about what he was saying. Cause I've not, I've only got this third or fourth or fifth hand. Um, and he had some argument as to why that was likely to be the case. I would say that it fails the test of Occam's razor. Simplest, simplest solution is the most likely solution. That is not what Occam's razor is, but oh, that's what everybody uh, thinks Occam's razor is. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's a slight nuance on it. And some people will go, well, that's saying the same thing, but it's not right. Because like, if, if somebody says, well, what created the universe? You go, God did. Right. Technically, that would be a simpler solution than some idea about the Big Bang and all of that kind of thing. Right. So by Occam's razor, if by that version of Occam's razor, which is not really Occam's razor, then God created the universe wins over some idea about some idea from complex physics about a Big Bang or whatever. Right. So what Occam's razor really says is the explanation that posits the least number of unknown entities is the one that is most or unverified entities is the one that is most likely to be correct. Right. Mm -hmm. So if, if we conclude that consciousness is perfectly capable of arising out of, uh, physical elements and the, the, you know, our neurons and our synapses and all of this, if we conclude that that's enough of an explanation, we don't need to posit something extra like spirit. Spirit becomes an extra entity that gets posited, right? So, so the one with the least number of entities posited that we can ha reasonably say are the case, right, is the explanation that is most likely to be correct according to Occam's razor, which is, I must add, a made-up idea. It doesn't mean it's true, right? But I'm just saying that that Elon Musk's idea that if you said, well, we're already living in the matrix, we were once free, but we're not our free selves. We're living in a simulation of a past version of our society that massively fails the test of Occam's razor because there's no reason to suggest that's more plausible than the fact that we just live in the society that we built rather than a simulation of the society that we may have, that our ancestors may have built for example, if that's what Elon Musk is saying. Now, maybe he's saying something different because... He might be, he, yeah. I, I don't know. Also, it's not when it's not that time when he was with Joe Rogan and smoking some weed. So it's not mm -hmm. a... For anybody thinking he, he was in high offices. Yeah. Shit. And, and I mean, all I'm saying with these things is I don't know what's real, what's not. It could be that our physiology and all of this has emerged out of consciousness or it could be the other way around. I'm not going to say I don't have beliefs. I'm just a fallibilist. That means that I understand that all of my beliefs could are at least partially wrong and might be majorly wrong. I also happen to believe for myself that truth with a capital T is not something that we get access to. 
The truth might be out there. We might be able to get sort of close to it, get in touch with it, dance with it a little, but I don't think we ever really get to absolutely know it. Um, and so for that reason, if you say, well, so what do you think about astral projection? I can only come down to, I don't doubt that there is something there that is asking for explanation, that people have genuine experiences of it. Um, but as to what it is, I don't think that can be stated. And even that's true of something like hypnosis, which is probably a far less controversial thing. Mm. Some, you know, some people go, oh, I don't believe hypnosis exists. I'm like, well, how come there are so many hypnotists around then? What, what are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, let, let me show you somebody doing hypnosis. And then you look at them with your naked eyes and tell me that hypnosis doesn't exist when somebody is participating in an activity, at least, that we could call hypnosis. So when they say hypnosis doesn't exist, what they really mean is a very particular explanation of that phenomenon is incorrect. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I love these people that they, they, they come by and like, they come with this frame of, you know, oh, you need to prove to me. You need to, you need to prove to me that this hypnosis exists and that this is real because I, I don't believe it. Mm. Like, mate, I, I don't go around telling, hey, hey, you, hey, prove to me that math exists or prove to me that the earth is yeah. flat. Like, I mean, that's, that obligation rests with them. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is, it is a kind of odd thing. It's almost as if people, a lot of people, and it's not just in the realm of hypnosis, it's just in the world. It's a, it's a phenomenon I encounter a lot. Yeah. People, yeah. It's like Especially nowadays. To, yeah. yeah. You have to justify to me what yeah. you say. It's like, I don't even know you. Like I'm, I'm in, uh, yeah. I'm entitled for a justification from you, an explanation from you of, about yeah. your beliefs. You, you, sir. Different. Yeah. you, sir. Explain what? yourself. You know, it's like, you know, and the thing is, I sometimes get suckered into it. It's like, I think this even happened on Facebook. You know, somebody was like, well, I assume you know what you're talking about when you're, and then I find myself demonstrating to them that I do have some clue about what I'm, what I'm talking about. At least I'm thinking, but why? And then I was out walking the dog thinking, why was I, why was I responding why I to that? their, their yeah. demands that I explain yeah. myself to them? I'm literally somebody I have never had any engagement with before. And there I am getting suckered in, reeled in by the, by yeah. explain yourself, young man. Yeah. Kind of. I love Facebook for that. <laughs> yeah. Know, it's, I hate, I, I rarely go on that, but when I do and I'll like scroll a little bit and then it's so annoying because you get to see these conversations or comments from people you have absolutely no idea about. Some of them completely crazy ridiculous and you have that initial impulse like oh hold on i need to i need to straighten this out or yeah it's not um but i mean sometimes like i'm not even necessarily going to need to straighten this out i might get hooked into things because i go there's a perspective here that these people are not considering right i'm not there to go you're wrong i'm right i'm like more there to go look have you thought about it like this or have you noticed this feature of something or whatever now that doesn't mean that that gets received well exactly you know but and, and i have a bad habit of engaging when i see something and i think well you know i think there's something you're not seeing here that might be worth consideration considering might be worth your consideration but you know that's a whole other thing I, i'm trying to been trying to figure out for a while now how to best have generative discourse on platforms like facebook and uh, uh you, you know youtube comments or whatever it might be um, I don't think I'm, they're made to have generative. I, I don't think they are. 
I think no. you're absolutely right. So I think the suckers game that I've been playing is thinking maybe it's possible. Maybe it's possible for us to yeah. communicate in a way that could actually. It's the way the way it's set up. It's there's no um, having any sort of interaction online because there's no face to face. There's no there's no stake in the communication in the interaction. It doesn't give anybody any reason to have to back up what they're saying or even to. If they say something and somebody provides a different point of view, hmm. try to put any effort to look at things in a different way. Yeah. So yeah, it's more of um. Anyway, we're going off topic now, but we are. Also, I, I will say though, I did I did hear somebody saying something quite interesting a few days ago. Somebody said, "I think it's important to understand to at least understand the ideas you disagree with." Right. Yes. So that's a very, very interesting thing to say because um, now you could say, actually, isn't it curious that people very often disagree with ideas that they haven't taken any time to understand? Yeah. So how can they even know they really how disagree you, with can, them? Yeah. How can you disagree with something that you don't understand? That, yeah. that that's that's such a good that's such a good quote. Yeah. Yeah, because you can't. You how could you disagree with something if you don't fully understand it? Right. But if you notice the 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 sort of default mode of engagement it seems online is to is to assume very quickly that another point is understood and immediately disagree with it but not yeah. be even remotely curious to to sort of nuance your perspective on what the other person might be saying it's one of the things yeah. i really value about lex friedman is that he often um will if somebody's got a particular opinion he will ask that person if they will steel man the argument that they are mm -hmm. trying to counter right instead of straw manning mm -hmm. it it's like will mm -hmm. you steel man it which and to steel man something means you will if i if i think there's a problem with that set of ideas i want to make sure that my disagreement is actually with that set of ideas and not some caricature i've got in my mind of that set of ideas mm-hmm mm that has a whole bunch of assumptions inside of it. I know, again, the, the problem with this kind of thing is it requires more work, right? Yeah. And this comes back down to, and I we were talking about astral projection, but like, and I didn't answer the question because I almost never answer. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to answer the question. Also, just for the sake of, for the sake of my own credibility, uh, it's not that I necessarily believe in that or that I'm, I, I, I'm bought into that. I just, I was curious to bring that up because, well, I'll talk to you about this after. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not going to put it on the on, on the episode. For anybody that does want to hear it, we're coming out with a Trip and Crow Uncut uh, subscription a month. <laughs> you want to hear all the conversations that, that happen behind the scenes? That could be a great idea. I've, it's not. <laughs> it's the first I've heard of it, but um, <laughs> maybe it'll happen. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I do have a reason for having brought it up. It's not because I, I necessarily, it's not because I'm bought into it or, or fully believe into it. I consider it's maybe a possibility, but mm. yeah. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I'm very interested in sense making. I've done a few of, uh, my agents of everything podcasts on sense making recently. And that's because we live in the sense that we make of the world that shapes our experience. It shapes our engagement with the world. Now, the question is, how do we come to the sense that we make of the world? You know, and obviously we want to have good quality ways of coming to sense that serves us in what we want to do, what we want to create. Now, mm. we we cannot be rigorous. We cannot do all our own sense making. We can't do it. We outsource tons and tons and tons of it. 
Mm. We cannot do our due diligence on every idea that gets sent our way. And, you know, and, and if we did, we'd end up in an endless rabbit hole of analysis, you know, but that also means that we are open to being misled, hoodwinked, hypnotized, you know, bamboozled in a variety of different ways by the ideas of others if we're not entirely careful. So, you know, I do think there is a challenge. There's a genuine challenge for all of us in how we make sense of the world. Looking at, is that sense serving us? Is looking at the collective sense that we make serving society? Is it creating a world that we would love to live in? Is it making more good things, more bad things? There's a whole ton of stuff there and there are no simple answers. And that's the reason why most people stay away from that stuff. Now, I end up getting into it because I work professionally with people who come to me and say, James, things are not right in my life, right? And I want things to be different. I want to be different. I want to be getting different results. And how they're making sense of things is always at the foundation of that. So it is the area where we must do the work. And it's not always a simple area to work in, but it is hugely transformative. People have no clue to what degree their experience of reality is shaped by the sense that they make of it. You yeah. know, they, they really believe how I see it is how it is and what I see is all there is. And it couldn't be further from the truth. We live in a map. We don't live in the territory, but that doesn't mean that we don't want a map that's a reasonably good fit for the territory. Yeah, yeah. And also one that doesn't necessitate some sort of a restructuring or complete reorganization of our existing other maps. Well, it would be an, it would be an endless task. You know, you'd have to go back to zero and then you'd still have to make use of all these other ideas that you are literally swimming through every single day to make further sense. This is the thing about how we make sense. We make some sense and then we use the sense we've made to make more sense. And the product of that bit of sense making then gets used to make yet more sense still. So we've got these recursive loops in our sense making, you know, which tends to mean our sense is a cumulative thing, but we can still have paradigm shifts within that where we suddenly go, oh, wow, actually, what if it's like this or now I'm seeing this or whatever, we can get like a real, uh, what I call a mind shift. And often when I'm doing professional work, I do change work, I'm looking to get those kinds of mind shifts occurring, not by talking about wild philosophical ideas like we do on this show but by doing other sorts of brain wrangling stuff.